0: You're listening to the Transformative Podcast, brought to you by the Research Center for the History of Transformations at the University of Vienna. This is the Red Set Transformative Podcast. I'm Dean Vuletic. Today I'm speaking with Anne-Marie Jeunet. A sociologist and associate professor at the University of Milan, who is working on the research project Deindustrializing Societies and the Political Consequences. Thanks for being with us today, Anne Marie.
1: Thank you, Dean.
0: So let's use our sociological imagination to find the relevance of sociology in everyday life, between personal experience and wider society, as the sociologist C Wright Mills put it in his 1959 book of the same name. So in this podcast, I'd like you to take us on a tour of Milan, the city in which you live and work, and one of Europe's major industrial centers. We could even say that the city is synonymous with industry. Let's start our tour in Piazza del Duomo, the central square of the city. Standing in front of the cathedral, Anne-Marie, what would you point to around us to explain your research on deindustrialization and its consequences?
1: So what I would say, Dean, is that, you know, when you stand in Piazza del Duomo, you look at this beautiful cathedral, one of the oldest in Italy, one of its most beautifuls. It's the major tourist destination in Milan. And then, you know, you go to the left and you see this beautiful arcade, uh, it's very decadent. Milan was not only famous for these landmarks, but Milan, for many years, really for decades and even centuries, was a place where things were made. It was—it's the heart of Lombardia, of Lombardy, a place where things were produced, machinery, equipment, and everything. And you don't really see much of that when you stand in the in the very center of the city. And so part of my work beyond simply doing my research is exactly this, to use my sociological imagination in my daily life. It's like a daily practice for sociologists to observe social life and social transformation around us. And, you know, I have that every day when I walk from my neighborhood to the city center. So my neighborhood is about three kilometers away from San Babila, where my university department is, which is two minutes away from Duomo. In my neighborhood, uh, which is in the southeast of the city, it's famously known as, as Zona Quattro. And it's near what's called Piazza Le Lodi. In the metro stop is actually named Laudi Tib. And Tib was an old factory uh, that was here that made machinery and equipment and chemical supplies. It was one of the biggest industrial producers in Italy. And a lot of the life in my neighborhood, although it is no longer a place where industry is produced, it's simply been converted into a residential environment still has the heritage of this industrial past i mean if i look out my window right now i see a giant red brick smokestack uh that belongs to that factory although it's no longer in use so you can see even in the built environment these kinds of um legacies one of the features here is not just the factories but all of the housing which had been created for these factory workers who lived and worked in such close proximity. And that was the basis of communal life. In Milan, factory workers tended to be housed in what's very famously called Casa di Ringhiera, which literally means like a guardrail house. And this was a very popular kind of popular housing. So all of the same flats share this open gallery on the inner courtyard. Um, that run the whole length of the building with like this kind of guardrail and it used to be even that they shared the bathroom at the end Um, but this was inside of these courtyards was like a big part of social life and community life which was a carryover from from the factory life so it wasn't just factory work but it was also the way that society lived.
0: So if I come to Milan now as a tourist, I mean, I've visited the city several times, but I've never taken a tour of its industrial heritage. Is this something new? Because in recent years, let's say since the 2015 World Expo in Milan, the city has experienced an urban renaissance. And there have been yes. a lot of new construction projects, revitalization projects. Is Milan finally taking pride in its industrial heritage?
1: I definitely think so. For instance, in my area is this big railway called the Porta Romana, Scala di Porta Romana, that has been abandoned for, for decades. It has never been used. It's just this huge abandoned railway. And it's been now, as part of, I think, also the participation in Olympic Games, totally planned for urban renewal project. There will be company headquarters uh, coming. And there will be these corporate headquarters with gardens and public spaces that have been planned, which merges, let's say, open public spaces with corporate presence, which in theory, you know, should bring back this idea of a place for jobs, but just in a different way, of course. The industrial past, let's say, of Milan has now been reappropriated. It's now very chic. So in my area, there's a lot of use of these spaces for creative work, for architectural firms or for fashion showrooms or for co-working spaces so a lot of the creative industries came here to use the space very inspired by uh, the arts and crafts tradition which came out of small family business industrial production and even the Casa de Indiera have become increasingly desirable for middle-class families because of they, they have become almost like a kind of taste, you know, that they're very, um, they're very much coveted as being something to be proud of for everyone. And these casas di ringhiere, you can actually see many of them, especially for instance, if you take a walk down the Navigli in the Porta Genova part of the city, in the southern part of the city, some of these casas di ringhiere are actually open to the public where you can enter the courtyard and see it for yourself. And You know, of course, it doesn't look as it used to where everyone was hanging out their laundry and on the guardrails, etc. But it gives you an idea of what it looked like. And uh, it's become, uh, let's say, a a very desirable type of living, even in today's post-industrial
0: lines nice. And, you know, probably a lot of the urban chic people who live there are not hanging out their designer labels on the clothesline. You mentioned fashion no. shows. Um, fashion shows being staged in these uh, revitalised buildings. I want to ask you in this regard, when you gave your lecture at redset you showed a map. Of uh, deindustrialization across Europe. And actually, deindustrialization doesn't seem to have been as extensive in Milan as it has been, let's say, in much of the United Kingdom, in the Netherlands, or even in Paris. And when I think about it, when it comes to fashion, for example, Milan is still a big center for fashion, not only fashion design, but also the manufacturing of clothing. So, my question is, how far has milan deindustrialized, especially relative to other industrial centers in europe
1: so i would say that there's been a big push at the national level for this idea of made in italy and so often products that are made in italy can command a higher price in the global market so for instance in the american market if the product has been made in italy this is something that would justify a higher price as a sign of luxury so actually, some parts of industrial production, particularly when it comes to textiles or fashion products or design products, Italy has maintained an industrial production. It has, has had a less industrial decline than other countries. But what I will say is part of my research program is about busting a lot of the myths that come with the process of deindustrialization. And one of the major myths and or let's say narratives, dominant paradigms for thinking about deindustrialization is that it's a peripheral thing in the sense that it's a place for like forgotten places. If we think about the UK and the discussions about why certain areas voted for Brexit, there's this idea, well, you know, these factory workers living in places that are away from the core, away from the major urban centers. And one of the things that's often forgotten is that also urban centers have undergone deindustrialization. This isn't just a rural phenomenon. It's not just something that happens uh, in the middle of, uh, quote-unquote, nowhere in Ohio. It's also something that major cities have undergone. So that's one of the myths that this research kind of busts, is that the way that the political narrative that we talk about deindustrialization really oversimplifies and considers the phenomenon as a very niche thing happened to a certain class of people in certain places in a certain time frame uh to men not to women etc but it's actually a much more diffuse phenomenon and much more bigger and greater segments of society have actually experienced the transformation than we typically think about
0: which is why we started our tour in Piazza del Duomo. One final question. Now, you maintain that we've been living in a period of deindustrialization since the late 1960s. What lessons can Milan and other European cities and their citizens learn from that period as we face the current political and social challenges of the digital age?
1: So I would say that from an aggregate perspective, you look at overall Milan, there's been a, quite a strategy for urban renewal, for some form of reindustrialization or reappropriation of the space, the idea of using this past to create a very dynamic future. Uh, so in that sense, I think that it's a big part of the vision of the people who guide the city and to stimulate, of course, um, continued innovation. The issue, of course, is that the people who benefit from these renewal projects and who benefit from this future are not the same people who have been disrupted in this process. The process of disruption and transitioning from you know, a, an industrial society to a post-industrial society, that process has been more disruptive for some people, probably based on their occupation or where they lived and their social class, than for others. And those people who have been very disrupted have not found a foothold in this promised future um, and have simply been disrupted without really any kind of compensation. The knowledge economy, which is growing of course, In Milan and the idea of of what the Italians called smart working which is remote working and this kind of a future um, doesn't uh, necessarily compensate. One of the big myths also about deindustrialization is that we're already in a post-industrial society that's it you know we've moved on And everybody should just kind of get with the program. But the (laughs) truth is, and you kind of mentioned this, talking about the fact that a lot of production still occurs in Italy and in Milan, is that industrial production continues. It's still part of life. There's this idea that we're living in the industrial legacy. But as you rightly point out, it's not just a remnant in the architecture. We are still in this transition Uh, it's not completed yet and and we may stay in this hybrid model of society. This is why the sociological imagination is so important and observation in daily life is so important to not forget the realities of others. I try to remember how uh, present is industrial production in Milan and in in Italy in general.
0: So with all of our smart working these days, (laughs) Anne-Marie, I think... We really appreciate the insights that you've given into your research and into Milan. I'm looking forward to a tour of uh, industrial and de-industrial Milan next time I go to the city. Thank you very much. Thank
1: and, you, um... Dean.
0: You have been listening to the Transformative Podcast, produced by Redset in Vienna. we are major